dedicated to helping you grow your personal relationship with both God and Jesus. We do this by emphasizing a foundation of Scripture and give you tools and opportunities to experience them in a personal and unique way for you. The Kingdom of God invites us into an interactive relationship with Him. This podcast series explores all that it means to seek first His Kingdom. We will be learning together how to develop a kingdom perspective and how to live it out right now. Join us for this 12-week series and watch the kingdom inside of you grow as you experience heaven on earth. So a tiny bit of a review. We've been talking about the kingdom of God. We've been seeking first the kingdom. This whole thing has been about seeking. And the way we went about it um, is through those questions, those kind of seeking questions, who, what, when, where, and how. And we have done all of the ones except how. Um, We've spent a ton of time on who. I so much time on who, like whose kingdom, um, who's invited to the kingdom, who's in the kingdom, all the things. And then as members and citizens of the kingdom of God, who does that make us? Who are we? We did a lot of that last week. Um, And so now this week, we're going to jump into the how. Um, And I want to tell you the next. So these two weeks um, are going to be this week and next week are really tied together with the um, ministry of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit. And then the last three weeks um, are going to be about life in the kingdom. We're going to hit some of it each week um, between now and then. But... um, These next five weeks, starting with tonight, um, are really going to be maybe not as much from a seeking standpoint as a living there standpoint. At some point, we have to move from student to truly citizen. We have to move from just, we're always going to seek, we're always going to be able to find new things, and that is going to be a permanent part Um, of our identity in the kingdom of God is a forever seeking God, a forever chasing after. Um, But at some point we have to go, okay, we are going to live in the kingdom of God. We are going to act from that space. We are going to live from that space. We're going to do life from that space. We're not just going to keep trying to arrive because if you saw last week and you've been with us at all, we have arrived. Thanks to Jesus and the cross, we have arrived. Um, So now we have to live it out. And what in the world does that look like and how do we do it? So that's what's coming. That's the next five weeks um, are going to be the weeks that you hear some things that you probably don't hear from in a typical class. I'm just going to be honest. Um, I've been doing a Beth Moore study, a lot of you know, on the book of Galatians. And we just finished it up. But one of the things that she said while we were studying Galatians chapter 5, so the fifth week, was that the ministry of the Spirit is something that is not talked about. We talk about the Holy Spirit in passing, but we do not talk about necessarily what it means to do life in that space. We may say, I can do all things through Christ. We may say, we quote these verses, but what does that look like to live? Um, we need to know. We need to know. And I'm going to do my best to be as real with you and give you some tangible things so that it can become your reality. Okay? Um, okay, so we're going to start with a little bit of an, a grammar lesson. Um, I apologize. 
Um, but we're going to talk about action verbs versus being verbs. <laughs> so a being verb, there's not a ton of them. You don't have to worry about it. But is and are, things like that. Like the dog is here. Colleen is a girl. Those are being verbs. They are absolutes. They are what it is. There's no action involved for it to happen. Um, so let me bring it to you. So whereas an action verb, something has to be happening. Deanna is talking. Um, Deanna talks. Deanna teaches. You know, those kind of things. Um, Deanna can't sit still. Whatever it is. So action versus being. The class we had last week on the who who we are in Christ, the who, those are being verbs. We are free. Um, we are citizens of heaven. We are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. We are to be witnesses. Um, we are a temple. These are things that we are. Not something we have to achieve. Not something we have to work towards. It is who we are in Christ period, okay? That is where being verbs have a place in this kingdom situation. In our relationship with God, there is a space for being verbs. For this passive, it's already happened, it is a fact, it is a statement. Um, who we are in Christ is one of those things. It is a fact. It is a statement. It is how we are. It is our being. It is who we are. Now, our relationship with God, our relationship with Jesus, our relationship with the Holy Spirit, all of those things are action-oriented. Um, and I'm going to spend tonight, and Colleen is going to spend next week, really showing you some of the action verbs that are attached to kingdom living. Because it is not a passive Life, in any way, form, or fashion, it is not a sit down and be. We are who he says we are, but there is action involved in our relationship. I am absolutely Troy's wife. I am absolutely Brady and Brooke's mom. That is who I am. But for our relationship to work, I didn't get to just have them and stop. There is action required to make relationship work. And there is action required for us to live successfully in the kingdom of God. And that is done through the power of the Holy Spirit, okay? And so while the Spirit is alive and at work within us, it doesn't mean that we check mark, bing, I'm a citizen of heaven, I do nothing else. That is not kingdom living. That is not living in the Holy Spirit in any way, form, or fashion. There are a ton of action verbs involved. Um, so today, as I was just looking at action verbs, see my paper? I was looking at action verbs. This is a messy part of some of how Deanna takes notes. This page and this page. Lists and lists and sloppy messes of action verbs that are involved in us living in the spirit. Okay, some of the action we do. Some of the action the Holy Spirit does, okay? Some, all of the action that we do is empowered by the Holy Spirit. 
There is not a single thing God calls us to do that he will not empower us to do through his spirit. Okay, so anything, any of these actions that I'm fixing to give you that are leading us in our walk with him, he is going to give us the grace and the power and the strength to walk those out. So any action that we are asked to do comes with the power and grace to actually get it done. Okay, that is just how God works. That is the joy of kingdom living. That's the joy of the new covenant. That is not the case. For the law of Moses, okay? They were given all that stuff to do. There was no grace in there, okay? Grace came with Jesus, right? John, grace from Jesus. Law, Moses, two super separate things. So some of the action words I just want you to hear is like the spirit fell. Um, we are feel, filled with the Holy Spirit. We're set free. Um, he helps us. We serve. We live. We walk. We receive. I mean, they're just, do you see? They're action verbs, so, life in the Spirit is going to require our participation at all times. We do not get to be spectators in the kingdom of God. We are not spectators. We are participants. We are actively involved in this life. Um, because there's no such thing as sitting still. You are either moving forward with God or you are moving away. There's no sitting still. He takes us uh, in Psalms we just read from strength to strength, um, from deep to deeper. Like these are things that are all over scripture. God moves. Um, and I'm going to show you that. So oh, I hope I make this point so crystal clear by the end of the night that you're like, how did I ever think anything else? And maybe you never did. And that is awesome. But it is not a passive thing. Life in the spirit is lived through and in the Holy Spirit. And all of that comes with a lot of action on both parts. Okay? A lot of action. So, let's look at some of our actions. I want to start and get them out of the way, the negatives. I just want to get them out of the way because they're there. And we need to be aware of them. We need to be aware. Um, Acts chapter 7, verse 51. This is this is Stephen. He's having this long speech, right? And he, um, I mean, this gets him, guys, this gets him stoked. But he says to them towards the end, which is part of what makes them mad, that they always resist the Holy Spirit. They always resist. Okay, guys, that is exactly what it sounds like it means. When you resist something, you don't want it to happen you're working in opposition to it. Um, you're trying to hinder what's happening. When we resist something, it's obvious. Somebody's resisting arrest. That becomes really obvious. It's been all over, you know. So resist. Um, quench. To quench. 1 Thessalonians 5.19, to quench. Um, we talked about in my Tuesday night small group and Thursday night small group, the fire um, from um, Revelation where it tells us not to be lukewarm, either be hot or cold. And that hot is like this boiling hot. So think fire. So to quench is just what it sounds like. It is to try to put out the spirit's fire. Okay. To stifle, to suppress. So resisting and quenching are things that we can do and probably often do and not even 100% aware that we are doing it that stifle 
or quench or suppress or oppose the work that the Spirit is doing within us, okay? So tonight in our listening questions, we're going to ask God some stuff about this because we need to know. Um, we need to know if there's a space in our life or there's a, a choice that we're making or something we're doing habitually that gets in the way of our walk with God. Okay, so those are some of the negatives. Those are the only two we're going to hit tonight and we're going to move on. So some life-giving actions. Okay, the first thing, and it goes so closely, the next two go so closely with the two above, um, so I wanted to kind of keep them together. We are to guard, to guard the spirit within us. Um, why? Well, because if not, we'll catch ourselves resisting and quenching it. So, and we also have to put to death acts of the flesh that go opposite to the spirit. Okay, so those four really kind of go together, but positively, putting to death the acts of the flesh, well, that may sound like, oh, Deanna, putting to death some, it may sound negative, but it will have a very positive, affirming consequence in our life when we put to death the life or acts of the flesh. And then when we guard the spirit within us, we become aware and we're sensitive to what could quench or stifle the spirit. So those two, um, those four kind of really go well together. Okay, some of these words that I'm, we're going to hit on, y'all have heard before um, because you've just become Greek scholars with me. So we have to live in the spirit. Galatians 5.25, we're going to look up some of these. We're not, as you have seen, we have not looked up all of them. I didn't do that to you tonight, but um, Galatians 5.25, um, I've been spending so much time in Galatians, so of course we have to go there. If we, okay, and there's several that come from Galatians, um, the next two, so we're going to read those, live and keep in step. So if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Okay, live is just what you think it means. Breathe. It's that word Zoe. It's um, from forever. We've been using this word. So it's just to be animated. It's to bring something to life. So we live like our very life is in the spirit. And if that is the case, then we're going to stay in step with the spirit. So I went and looked that up in the original and, and it is actually can be translated walk. So if you live in the spirit, walk with the spirit. Okay, if you notice, the one right below it is also walk. They are not the same Greek word. And I thought that was so fascinating. So in what, this is Paul writing, I mean, because they're both Galatians. And the first one, this keep in step, means to direct one's life, to walk in a line. It's like a military concept of staying in step. Like, um, like the picture I have, and, please try not to laugh at me, is like the Aggie marching band or the ROTC, how they, their every step is matched and it's perfectly in sync. That's what it's talking about, to direct. And then when you get it in a more um, symbolic, to let the spirit direct your life so that you, the cadence of your life is directed by him. So then the very next one, we have walk again from Galatians 5.16 that we're supposed to walk by the spirit. Now, I loved this. So again, it's a different walk. It is to make pro... Okay, have you ever... Um, I know I have friends that walk. I know Miss Kathy walks and Miss Ethel walk. And they walk for a reason. And it's to get exercise and stuff. But when you're on a walk, 
and you're just going in a circle, that's just, that's one thing. But when you're on a walk to make progress, that's different. And that's what this is about. This is to make progress, to make good use of every opportunity, um, to regulate one's life, to conduct one's life. So we're letting the spirit pull us along, make progress, to bring us from progress to progress to progress. So it's that kind of walk. It is not an aimless walking around. We walk by the spirit, and when that happens, there's progress, there's forward motion. Okay, remember we talked about there's no such thing as being a spectator and sitting still. And when we walk with the spirit, the spirit moves us forward, right? We don't have to make it happen. He does it, but we have to cooperate. We have to cooperate. Okay, and here is the perfect place for me to talk about cooperation. We are led by the spirit. Galatians 5.18. Okay, this word, I understand. I live on a horse ranch. I understand this word. This is the same concept as if you are leading an animal with a, a lead line, a lead rope, right? So um, to lead something, to take a hold of something, to lay a hold of. So I can honestly picture um, either one, Brooke, with a lead line trying to you know, lead a sheep that didn't want to be led. And that was quite humorous. And then I also watched my husband, Troy, my cowboy, when he is leading a horse. Guys, you know, there's a good way and a bad way for a horse to be on a lead line. And there's a lot of in between. Troy doesn't let them walk all over him or stand on him um, or run ahead of him or have this huge slack. When a horse, okay, when I, okay, guys, I am not a cowgirl. Like I have cowboy boots and I can dress the part when I have to. It is not who I am. So if you ask me to lead a horse, in my mind, which is inaccurate, the best thing to do is hold the end of the lead rope and let the horse just follow along at its own leisurely pace so it doesn't get too close to me. So maybe it'll stay as far away as that lead line is. Spirit doesn't do that. He knows better. He's gonna keep us close so that we don't get in trouble. Me letting that horse dangle loose, he can do anything he wants. He can eat something he's not supposed to eat. He can mess with the horse he's not supposed to. Anything can happen. The spirit keeps us close because that is the best way. He doesn't let us run ahead. He will pull us back. So we are led by the spirit. Just, and I want you to just, I mean, even if you take a second and go, I wonder what I look like. On the other line, on the end, the other end of that line, like, does am I letting the Holy Spirit keep me close, or am I, or am I, you know, way back, or am I running ahead, or am I way over here, you know, worried about what other horse? Um, we have horses that get what we call barn sour, and when you take them out, they're like, ah, my friends are in there, I don't want to leave, I don't want to leave, and even if they're being turned down in a pasture on a beautiful day, they still want their friends, and so you get all this hollering. We can be the same way. When God wants to move us, um, he doesn't always let us take our friends with us. So anyway, led by the Spirit, Galatians 5.18. Um, we also serve by the Spirit. Not going to spend a lot of time right here because we're going to spend time there later. But please, just for a second, because I have to. We should serve God from relationship with him. We do not serve to get a relationship with God. We have a relationship with God and we serve from that space, okay? 
Um, service is something we do from relationship with God, not something we do to get a relationship with God, okay? Doesn't work that way. Um, because if we serve in our own strength, it's just going to feed our pride and it's going to get in our way of our relationship with God, okay? It's going to get in the way for sure because you, what happens is, is we get in this serve mentality and we we tell ourselves, we believe the lie that we have arrived because we are serving God. God, he, guys, he wants your heart and your proximity and your relationship way more than he wants your service. If you look at all these verbs, serve only has shown up once. He wants relationship with you more than he wants your service. Once you get relationship with him, he will give you something to do when you are ready. But he wants our relationship. He wants us close to him so that he can direct how we serve. Because otherwise, we're just going to go off and do it in our own strength and in our own wisdom, in our own way. We're not being led by the Spirit. If we're going to do something for him, it's got to be in him, through him, and with him. We can't do anything for him any other way. God doesn't need that. He needs our, we need relationship with him so that we can best serve. Okay, I said I wasn't going to spend any time there. I lied. Okay, worship by the Spirit. So we, remember when Jesus is um, talking to the um, Samaritan woman at the well, and um, there's this whole conversation on where do we worship? Do we worship here? Do we worship at the temple? And he said, a time is coming and has now come that God will want worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. Um, he did not say that he wanted worshipers who worshiped in a specific place and reached a certain emotion. He wants spirit and truth, location and emotion were not part of the deal. So often we think worship has to happen in a place and create a an emotion within us. That is not necessarily true. Worship that God finds acceptable is done in spirit and in truth. Location and emotion do not matter. You can have the most incredible worship service, just you yourself and God on your face in your closet with nobody watching. It can bring you the greatest joy. It can bring you to tears. Or guys, it can leave you as you are just content. When we let our emotions dictate worship, we can so easily miss the spirit because we have believed we've arrived because we have found some emotional high. We need a spiritual high not an emotional high. Sometimes they go together. Sometimes you're going to get both, but sometimes you're not. You need to be able to, we have got to recognize the spirit worshiping through us and with us, not us doing this on our own to reach some kind of emotional space. Okay, number nine, set our minds. So this is Romans 8, 5, 6. And this set um, I loved this. It also can, it's a, it's actually, um, a preposition in the Greek. 
It's kata. Um, it's a preposition. And it um, when something is in something, um, according to something, when you're moving towards something, that which is joined together. So it can be used in all these different ways. And it's so interesting to me. Most translations do this whole set your mind on. It's a being in something, being more aware of something, being joined to something. So when we set our minds on things above, when we set our minds on the things of the spirit, not the things of the flesh, those become the most real. Those become the most crystal. And we know from scripture that the things that we can't see are eternal. And the things that we can see are temporary. So this body is temporary. This house is temporary. These things are temporary. But the things that we can't see, the fruit of our lives, the fruit of our worship, the spirit within us, all of those things are eternal. And that's where we have to set our minds. And because, guys, it's really not easy necessarily to intentionally decide to live from a place where you can't see it. But he says to set your minds on things unseen by your physical eyes. Set your minds above. So setting our minds is absolutely necessary to do life somewhere that you can't see with your physical eyes. Okay? And then the last one on this little list of um, action verbs is to be transformed. So Romans 12, 2. We're not going to spend a lot of time here, even though I want to so, so bad. I love um, this word, this word transformed. Um, and it is absolutely something that we are called to do. But I'm not, I'm, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to leave you hanging and tell you that this word in the Greek is used one other place one other time in scripture and it's in the new testament and i think you're going to be completely as blown away as me but you're gonna to have to wait a couple of weeks so those are some of the action verbs that i grabbed so that you could see so that i could be reminded that life in the spirit is active not passive it is always active now um as i was talking to god about where this class was going he was like you have to you deanna have to tell them what this can look like on the daily. What does it look like to stay in step? What does it look like to be led? What does it look like to serve from these places? What does it look like to guard? What does this look like? So here's what I'm going to do. So a day in the life of the spirit led. And guys, there's probably so many more things that can be added to this list, but I'm just going to hit on, a few, on the ones that I feel like you put on my heart. And he gave me one right before we started that isn't on your listening guide that I want you to put above A. So it's like A1, let's call it that. Seeing him at work in our daily lives. When we start seeing God move on our behalf and we quit calling it consequence and we recognize it as a move of God. Like, oh my goodness, he just totally made that happen. Oh my goodness, he just did this. Um, it is happening all around you, but the first step of living in the spirit, I can promise you this is first, is starting to reckon, and we have to be able to recognize God in the life that we have going on here before we're going to be able to easily recognize him in the spirit realm, okay? We have to be able to see him at work. One of the easiest ways to start developing this sense is to, to um, gratitude, being thankful, spending time every morning thinking back over the day 
of things that God, where God showed up. Um, I did a Beth Moore study, oh my goodness, so many years ago, probably 12 years ago, maybe more. And she told us that we were supposed to look for God stops. And they were things that just stopped us in our tracks because God had done something for us. Okay, that was unheard of to me. I was like, what? She was like, I want you to look for places where God shows up in your day. And I went, okay. Like, I honestly struggled with that. So I prayed. I was like, God, you're going to have to make this really obvious because I don't know what she's talking about. I haven't ever done that before. I This was new. Okay, so this was years and years ago, probably longer ago than that. So Brady's 21. I bet it was closer to 20 years ago I did this study. So... I didn't know what a God stop was. Um, Brooke was born, so 17 years ago, a baby. Our washer, our dryer had gone out. It was either fall or spring. I don't even know what season it was we were in. Um, but I had littles. Like I had a baby and a four-year-old. And my dryer is out. And I have a cowboy for a husband so who goes through a lot of pairs of jeans, right? And they're dirty. And jeans take a long time to dry. It's not something I can sit over a chair. So I would wash, he, we hung a clothesline outside and I would wash the jeans. And this particular day, um, I had taken the jeans out. And as a kid, my mom had a clothesline, right? And that was always my job, not to put the clothes on there, to take them down. Like my job was to get the clothes off the clothesline and bring them in, um, along with the clips because my mom didn't believe in leaving them out there because they got, I don't know, dirty? I don't know, they're hanging, I don't know. I just obeyed. So, but the thing was, it was never my job to put the clothes on the line because I wasn't tall enough at the time. And then I guess we got a dryer and it went away. So I need a clothesline and I'm like, how hard can this be? I used to take them down. Guys, do you know how hard it is to get wet jeans to stay on a clothesline? Do you have any idea how hard that is? It is hard. So, I mean, it made, to, I, I remember my mom was so good. Like everything was like a clip here and then you, and then a clip here and it held two things, right? So you've used your clips to the best of your ability. They held two things. And then here, didn't work with jeans. They were too heavy. So hanging Troy's jeans on the clothesline was an art. Like it was not easy. And it was important because if they hit the ground, we didn't have a ton of grass. They were going to be dirty. I was going to have to wash them all over again. Right? So I remember the day I had hung all of his jeans out. So happy. Came in because I had to do it while the kids were napping. Right? I have a baby and a four-year-old. So the kids were asleep, the clothes are on the line. I look out the window, they're all hanging. Nothing has hit the ground. I'm like, ah, oh, peace, I'm taking a nap. So I go and lay down, because everybody says when the baby sleeps, you sleep, that's the rule, right? So I go take a nap, and, and it must've been daylight savings time, because it was a little bit dark. I wake straight up, guys, like straight up from this nap. I don't know how long I had slept. And I'm like, is it night, what's happening? You know that kind of nap where you slept so good that you're not even sure where you're at? But it had darkened, and I'm like, okay, it's not. It's like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Jump out of my nap bed, freaking out because it had gotten overcast. It was fixing to pour. I go flying out the door with my laundry basket, left the clothespins on the line, my mom probably, you know, and threw all the jeans in, ran inside. And, guys, I had barely got inside when the sky fell. I was like, and the jeans that I had in the dark thing? were dry. So I must have taken about a two hour nap. And it was summer, I guess, because they were dry, but they would have been soaked and probably on the ground with that rain. And it was my very first ever God stop. I went, God woke me up. 
He woke me straight up because no kid was crying. Nothing was happening. He woke me straight up from that nap because he knew this tired mama with these toddlers and this baby and this nut dryer that didn't work needed a break. It was my first ever God stop. I didn't say, what a great coincidence. I went, oh my word, God woke me up. I didn't have to redo those clothes. So it, it may take that. It may be a moment where you just, oh my goodness, he showed up. But we have to start somewhere. And that is the place to start. We have to recognize his movement in our lives, okay? The next thing, practicing his presence. Okay, so I called um, Rose today to make sure, so I have been cleared by her that I can talk about her on screen. So <laughs> practicing his presence. This is something Rose does often, it does well. Um, we never even talked about it. I happened to be in Virginia um, with her for one weekend and it came up. Uh, we were talking about you know our relationships with the God and she tells me that this is something she does all the time. And so we got to talking about it. Practicing his presence is exactly what it sounds like. If you're sitting there, you practice him sitting right beside you. You begin to use your spiritual imagination to pretend to, because he is right with you. It's not a stretch. It's not, it's totally scriptural that you practice his presence daily. And in all the places I have ladies in my small group that when they're driving, he's sitting in the passenger seat. So practicing his presence, what does that do? Well, first of all, it keeps him fresh in our minds. It keeps, and it also keeps us constantly aware of how we act. Because if we're practicing his presence, there's things we're probably not going to do or say if we weren't practicing his presence. I mean, I, um, I do therapy down 105. Guys, I have to drive down 105 every day. Um, all the way from Montgomery, all the way into the loop. And um, practicing his presence is a very important thing on 105. Um, at, the, at whatever time of day, it never seems to fail. Like there's, I'm always behind the guy that's going 10 miles under. I'm, a, you know, people, my car is invisible, whatever. So practicing his presence gets us in the habit of being aware that we are not alone. Um, and it is a great first step into the spirit realm. It is a great first step into being aware that what you cannot see has greater value than what you can. Okay, so that is a wonderful jump off spot. Okay, the next thing. Now you do not, now the first one, seeing him in, at work in your daily life, that needs to be every day, all the time, always. Um, the rest of these that I'm hitting, this A, B, C, and D, um, I sat today and I was like, do they have to be in that order? No, not necessarily. Um, do you have to do all of them? No, not necessarily. Um, can you pick your favorites? Of course you can. Um, but I'm going to tell you kind of, my, I have never, practicing his presence was not something that I ever did on the regular. I'm just going to be honest. But my prayer partner and my mentor who mentored me for 15 years and then some and still does, I called her today. Um, this is a huge part of her life. And I want you to know, I don't know if I know someone quite so godly and so connected to the Lord. So does it work? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's powerful. Okay. Sitting with him in the heavenly realms. So practicing his presence is practicing him being here with you. Seated, we, um, Ephesians 2, 6 tells us we are seated with Christ in the heavenly realm. 
or heavenly places, heavenly realm is NIV, I love it. Um, so instead of seeing Jesus here with you, you see you with him. Okay, there's a difference. There's a big difference. So why seated with him in the heavenly realms? Why is that important? Oh my goodness, can I tell you? So this seated with him in the heavenly realms is my story of over 15 years. Okay, is sitting, not we usually, we didn't sit a whole lot, but we did some, but being with Jesus in heavenly places. So my relationship and your relationship with Jesus is such that he meets us where we are. Okay, so if I'm in the heavenly places with Jesus, maybe um, for the longest we sat on a bench. He was dressed as you would anticipate Jesus of the New Testament being dressed. And I was dressed as you would anticipate a mom of young kids being dressed. And he sat on a bench and I sat at his feet for the longest time. And then one day he invited me to sit on the bench beside him and our relationship. And then sometimes he was a shepherd and I was a sheep and we would walk and he would show me things. Always he was teaching me spiritual truths when I was spending time with him. He was teaching me. I learned so much about where I was spiritually and still continue to learn where I am spiritually from that space because he meets us spiritually where we are. Um, I remember it being when all of my relationship with him really started and my spiritual eyes and ears were open. And we're going to talk more about that in the weeks to come. But um, we were in a beautiful place, beautiful place. And it really kind of reminded me a little bit of the beginning of Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me. Um, And he led me through quiet waters and beautiful green pastures. Like all these things. I was in a beautiful place spiritually. But guys, I was in one of the hardest places of my life in the physical. Dealing with friendship betrayal. Dealing with financial problems. Dealing with marital things. All at the same time. Like it was a hard place in the physical, but in the spiritual, what God was doing in my life right there and in the spirit realm was gorgeous. So one of the things I want you to know right now is that your life in the spirit probably looks drastically different than your life in the physical. Um, It is a very upside down kingdom. um, And when he is working in your life, it is a beautiful thing there. May not always feel good here, but it is beautiful there. So, I spent time with him in that way. I have mentored so many people in this space, and it is one of my favorite things to do is to hear them tell their story when they first start seeing themselves in the spirit. Um, I have one young lady that she was a horse. Jesus was the trainer, and he taught her so much about what was happening in her life right then in the spirit realm. Like she needed to just slow down. She had on way too many blankets. She had on way, she just had too much baggage. It needed to all go and she needed to rest. She needs to stop. He said, whoa. Um, So it's going to look different. I have several ladies who have seen themselves at a beach, just walking down the beach with Jesus. That's pretty common. People see themselves seated in the stars with Jesus um, at the end of a pier on a boat I don't know. In a hot air balloon. Um, if you do our podcast, 
If you ever listen to our podcast, we walk you through seeing yourself in a hot air balloon with Jesus and what does he want to show you and what does he want to tell you. And um, I have one friend that we went through this and she jumped out of the hot air balloon, just pshoom, like nosedived out of the hot air balloon. She was telling me in the spirit room, but she jumped into this lake and Jesus was the lake. Like he was all around her and, and he was calling her in for more. So I don't know what he has for you in the spirit realm, but I know he has something because we are in, we are citizens of heaven. We are seated, guys, this is all present tense. Like I could sit on this one forever and convince you, but I'm just going to give you the, t- we're going to come back to this. So don't panic and go, she didn't say enough. We're going to come back to this um, in the last three weeks of class. But I want you to know, you don't want to miss this. This spirit realm and your relationship with Jesus will forever change your life. It will forever change your life when you get a piece of it. When you get a hold of it, when he starts opening your eyes, it will never, you will never be the same. Okay, the throne room, the throne room. Ephesians 2.18 says, because of the Holy Spirit and because of Jesus, we have access to God, okay? Um, So the throne room, God is always in his throne room. Uh, He's always on his throne. Um, And we are welcome there because of Jesus. Um, so in the throne room, um, I have been sitting in the throne room for many, many years. I have had so many people do, um, introduce them to the throne room and love again, um, some of the stories, but let me just start with me and where I'm at right now. Um, so the very first time I ever went into the throne room, um, was invited into the throne room by God himself. Um, I want to tell you, I didn't want to go. I had a great relationship with Jesus that was over 10 years old. And why in the world do I need anything else? Oh, my word. What I didn't know. What you don't know. Hmm. So anyway, I started out just seated in his lap. Smaller than a normal, like he was bigger and I was smaller kind of thing. Um, I was also a kid. Like I was a kid version of me. Um, And that's how it started. And it stayed that way for years. Um, then I sat on the arm of his chair. I was on the, the left-hand side for the longest, and he moved me to the right-hand side, and that came with all kind of implications and information. Um, but now, I am laying in his arms, typically like you hold a baby like this. Um, so often, Pastor Darla in the throne room, like a baby. Um, so many people, that's their story. Um, Colleen, at times, has been hanging off the throne room, off the off the arm of the throne, just hanging. I don't know. Um, Brooke sometimes is at his feet. Um, some people see themselves on the stairs before his throne. Um, it's just different. Your story is going to be different. Um, Stacy sees herself like Thumbelina in his hand. Um, so it's it's different. Right now in the throne room, sometimes I'm like this. But often he has me like a baby like this. You know when you sit and you're holding a baby and you're holding them like this and you're face to face. They have your undivided attention and you're talking to them or you're listening to them or you're smiling at them. They just, and that posture is somewhat new for me in the throne room and I'm loving it. Um, So time in the throne room, why does it matter? Oh my goodness, because if we're really gonna walk in our identity as a child of God, 
Spending time there, there's no greater way to start realizing that identity than spending time with your father in his throne room. Um, again, so much wisdom and advice given from that space, so many conversations. The thing he says to me the most in this season is rest. Just rest right here in me, just rest. Or so I'll be, and he'll go, give it to me. Just give it to me. So your time in the throne room is very different than your time with Jesus. It is very much a father and his child, um, and you come to him. You're in the throne room with him. It is a very safe space. Um, anytime that I'm talking to people about allowing God to show them stuff in the spirit or tell them something, the throne room is the safest place to go. It is God is always there and he is waiting on you. There's no lie that can stand there. Um, it's just a safe, safe space. Um, so again, we're just touching the tip of the iceberg. Hopefully we'll be coming back to a lot of this. Okay, the last one. This is the one um, that I live right now the most. The spirit within us. Um, that is in 2 Corinthians 13, 5. It says, Do not, don't you know that Jesus is in you? And then Galatians 2.20, I love when Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but not I, but Christ lives in me. When you start recognizing that Christ is alive in you, it's just that. So there are times that when my hands are going, I, I know that it's him. Um, I just recognize his presence and movement and his voice when he speaks. It's different. It doesn't require so much my spiritual eyes. It does require my spiritual ears, but it requires my spiritual feelings. Like he's helping me recognize when something rises up in me that is of him and that isn't of him. He helps me see how he can bring joy. And he speaks to me from right here. Like his voice um, is no longer part of this. It comes from here. So this is rather new. Um, I don't know, six months in maybe, at least. Where, And I want you to know I threw a fit. Anytime God wants to change things up with me, I typically resist. Don't recommend doing it that way. But he told me, Deanna, eventually this will be your favorite. You will love this so much um, because you will... Feel him in you, him empowering you, him doing it. And um, it's happening. It's starting to happen. Um, I can recognize him. I also know when it's the most when I drive. Um, so many of you know I have cerebral palsy and I very seldom use my right hand. Um, but I'll be driving along and out of nowhere, I'll just kind of switch and start driving with my right hand. And I'm like, oh, that's him. Like, I'll know that it was the Spirit saying, hey, I want you to use all of you. I made all of you good. I want you to use all of you. So the Spirit within, I can't give you just oodles and oodles of wisdom and knowledge from this space because, again, it's only about six months old for me. But I can tell you that it's something that I call on. Um, and it's something that to walk in this space well, you have to walk with pause. You have to, there has to be some pause in your life because if, you, I mean, if you move at the speed that I often can move in, you will miss the spirit within you. There's no rush in the kingdom, right? 
So you've got to make space for pause so that you hear and become attuned to his movement in your life and that you don't respond to every emotion and every feeling. You let him check that and say, "Mm -mm, not that one. Don't give space to that. Um, So I had it happen recently where I had this, uh, like just rise up in me. And I don't know how else to explain it. I don't know if it's happened to you. Surely it has where there you, something happens and it sets off a reaction in you that just rises up. And I'm like, oh, that doesn't feel like the spirit. But because I had pause and the spirit just pushed it down, like, Mm-mm, not that, Dana. Don't respond to that. So I did it. And I didn't know what it was, but I didn't respond. So I sat with him later and I was like, what is that? And he was, he's going to teach, I'm going to teach you. And I was like, well, I need it to happen again. So, I'll, okay, be careful what you ask for. I was like, I need that to happen again so that I know what to respond to. So it was not like a day or two later that something else happened that brought that up again. And it wasn't a good something, guys. Like, this is a negative thing. And it came up again, but it wasn't as strong. It wasn't as strong. And I knew I was supposed to push it down. I was like, okay. So I pushed it down. And I didn't respond to it. I didn't act from that space. I let the spirit just, I acted from that space. And so when I got on my face later and wanted to know, it was my flesh. And every time I didn't respond in the flesh and let the spirit do the responding instead the flesh got weaker and weaker. So if you want to start recognizing the spirit within you, you have to have pause and not always respond in the flesh. You, We have to get to a point that we recognize when the flesh, we want to quench the flesh and feed the spirit, right? We want to quench anything not of God and respond to things that are of God so that that spirit within us gets stronger and stronger and it is what rises up and we only respond in him. Okay, so those are just a handful of the ways. There's more I wanna tell you, but I'm just gonna stop there for now. Um, But a day in the life of being spirit-led can be the best day ever. And the days just get better and better. Doesn't mean that in the flesh it gets easier and easier. I'm not gonna lie to you. But it does mean that because you spend time there, you start seeing that all the things become worth it when we let him get in the middle of it and use it. So it's not a passive thing. Your relationship with God and with the Holy Spirit is meant to be active. And as you start looking And as you start intentionally engaging, he will meet you at every space. So just between now and when Colleen teaches next, I have a prayer I want you to pray. It's out of Ephesians chapter one. Um, I didn't know I was going here. Ephesians chapter one. See, this is what I mean about letting the spirit just lead you. Um, So Paul is praying for the Ephesians here. And so what I want you to do um. I want you to start um, in verse 17, that the the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that's revealing Jesus, in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened or open, that you may know what is the hope in which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Just start praying 
for God to enlighten your heart. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you. Okay? All right. It is time to listen for God. Whew. Didn't know if we were going to get here. All right. Listening for God. I'm going to pray, and then we will get started. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you. Thank you for your spirit, Lord. I thank you that you have so much more for us than we could ask or imagine. Um, Lord, I thank you that you speak. And Lord, I just ask you in this moment that you speak to us. You allow us to hear your voice. I ask that in the power of Jesus' name that you will silence the voice in our head, Lord, that you will silence all the extra noise um, so that we can just hear you. And Father, I also ask that in your mercy and in your grace that we hear exactly what you want us to hear tonight. Lord, whether it's hard or easy, whether we, whether we agree or disagree, but we want to hear what you have to say. An enemy, you have no place here. You are bound and you are gagged in the name of Jesus. You may not interfere with what God wants to do in this place. Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do. It's in the name of Jesus we pray all these things. Amen. All right. Number one, one thing in your life that quenches the spirit within you. One thing, Colleen just gave me a dirty look. One thing in your life that quenches the spirit. One thing in your life that quenches the spirit. One thing in your life that quenches the spirit. Unfortunately, when God was giving me the questions, I heard this one right away. I was not super happy about that. What'd you get? My physical circumstances. Mm -hmm. Judgment. Mm. I was getting better. Apparently not so much. <laughs> Apparently not so much. Um, <laughs> I guess I'm going to be on my face for a little while getting to the bottom of all of that. One thing in your life that quenches the spirit. Guys, we're never going to arrive, mm -hmm. just so you know. So there's always going to be space for improvement. So, And we have to be okay with that. We have to let conviction happen. And, and just knowing that he's telling me means that he's got victory for me. Tell me what I should do, too. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. I think there's a little bit of a delay, so give it a second. Okay. Amber. Electronics, TV, cell phone, and iPad. Ah, the favorite distractions, the social <laughs> dilemma distractions. I understand. I know it's a doubt. Tim, when I allow others' lack of character to feed my cynicism. Ooh, I can relate to that one. Mm. Yikes. Ouch, that one's hard. Mm -hmm. Yes. Doubt for sure can quench. Mm. Ron, negative people. Yes. <laughs> Colleen's over here agreeing with you wholeheartedly. Negative people for sure. Yes. All right. Number two, a place in your life you are resisting the work or the presence of the spirit. A place in your life you're resisting the work or the presence of your spirit. Of his spirit. Of, of the spirit. A place in your life you are resisting the work 
or presence of the Spirit. place in your life you're resisting the work or presence of the spirit unless it's first without it either unfortunately did you not hear anything uh-uh. he kind of showed me a couple of relationships that I'm not letting him into the middle of that I am I am handling those <laughs> so I need to let him co-workers in. yeah I, yeah so often, when you're doing something that is against what he's trying to do, it's rooted in a lie, and I have a really hard time seeing it. Lies. Yeah. I think it's so interesting that some of the hardest, and for both of my questions, it's about people. Mm-hmm. Like, that we're supposed to love people well. Mm-hmm. That sums up all the things. Yeah. Love God and love people, and and. Obviously, if I have relationships that are struggling or that there's judgment in, then I'm resisting his work in that space. Mm-hmm. So, hmm. doesn't mean I wanted to hear that. But. Okay, uh, Amber said witnessing. Mm. Jonathan, work. Okay. Uh, Lisa commented twice, but I think one is Tim and one is Lisa. No, one might have been the number one and one might be doing number oh, two. Oh, maybe so, maybe so. One thing in your life yep. that quenches her co-workers. Yeah. And what was the number two? Number two, leadership of any kind. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, sorry, Lisa. Don't mean to laugh at you, but you have so much, so, so much to give. Mm-hmm. Tim, don't you dare say anything to her otherwise in your own home. But you have so much to give. Um, and people feel comfortable with you sharing and being vulnerable because you are a easy, you are a soft space to land. Maybe not for Tim, maybe not for Nathan, but for the rest of us, you're a soft space to land. So you have a leadership gift that looks really different than Tim's leadership gift, um, but you definitely have a gift to lead. Um, I, in fact, totally off the subject, but I'll give people a second to respond. Uh, Troy and I went to eat at Russo's the other day, and he said, have you ever eaten here? I said, oh, actually, yes. I ate here with Lisa the night that I, you know, talked to her about being a small group leader. And I said, she called me before I ever got out of the parking lot. I thought her car broke down. She just wanted to talk me out of it. We had a (laughs) two-hour dinner talking about how great she would be at leading. So anyway, I thought about you this weekend at Russo's. Hmm. Uh, Ron, being healthy. Oh, Okay. Um, Inez, relationships. Uh, Tim, Republican versus Democrat. Oh, for sure. That is definitely a place. Yes. That's a common place with Christians right now that I think we're struggling. Mm -hmm. Loving people, red or blue. Yeah. So I asked what lie I was believing, and he said, I'm believing that he's leading me into a place that I won't like. Oh, okay. That makes sense. So the place where I'm resisting him is in him leading me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we do. Um, Guys, if you spend some time in the book of Acts, you see that Paul tries to go several places and the spirit tells him no or doesn't allow him to go Mm. somewhere and he sends him somewhere else. 
And you also see people warning Paul not to go places and he goes anyway. Um, and I think we can get in our minds that the spirit is only going to lead us into something that's super hard and difficult. And that isn't true. We have to remember that God is good. We have to keep in mm -hmm. mind his character and that he is good and that he draws us to him with loving kindness. That's scripture. He draws mm -hmm. us with loving kindness. So, um, yeah, it's, even that's why spending time in the spirit is going to be important because then you'll see where he's leading you from a spiritual perspective and not just a fleshly perspective. And it leads us right into number three. <laughs> where is the spirit leading you right now? If y'all could see Kali, I need to like have another camera so you can see her facial expressions when I ask the questions. Where I'm is this? an abyss. <laughs> is that a lie? That's a lie. Where is the spirit leading you right now? Where is the spirit leading you? Where is the spirit leading you right now? Nothing? Well, I can't really hear, so a scripture popped into my head. Mm. What scripture? Uh, into all truth. Okay. I don't even know where that is. Is that scripture? Mm-hmm. Okay. And John, spirit leads you into all truth. He will lead you into all truth. I just read it. <laughs> it's in John. Okay. Where is the speed? He's leading me to reconciliation. I don't know that I was wanting Ooh, to go there. I like that. I'm quite one of the studies. <laughs> we'll both be uncomfortable together. <laughs> okay, Tim to him. Oh, love it. Oh, I love this. Anna said deeper. Oh, I love that. Deeper. Awesome. Oh. Awesome, awesome. Mm. I don't think that was him. That's me. I don't know. At least you were quoting scripture. <laughs> So it had to have been him. If you're going to hear wrong, hey, even the enemy can quote scripture. I know. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Just say it. Jonathan Patience. Oh, very good. Yeah. I think my own opinion is way too loud in that question. Mm. And guys, when our opinion is loud, mm. um, yeah. Amber, no words. I see a horizon. A clear, deep blue horizon. Ooh, that sounds nice and inviting. I know. Colleen needs to believe for that. I know. Uh, Lisa, walk with Jesus. Mm, awesome. Okay, number four. Now, this is pretty open-ended, so and that's okay. What is the Spirit speaking to you right now? What is he speaking to you right now?
What is the Spirit speaking to you right now? Walk in the light. Don't give up. It'll all be worth it. And hindsight will be 2020. Hmm. I got it will all be worth it. Like word for word, it will all be worth it. I'm, like, I'm ready for 2020. It will the all be worth hindsight. it. It will all be worth it. Okay. Um, Crystal, okay, I haven't been hearing very clearly tonight, but I keep hearing over and over again, be in the moment. Mm, very good. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Lisa, peaceful stillness like a calm lake. Oh, I love that. Mm -hmm. mm. And Crystal, it's okay if there's nights that you don't hear as well, but one of the things about being in the moment if we're going to be led by the Spirit, we have to be fully present. Mm -hmm. um, in the moment, we have to be fully present. We cannot disassociate. We cannot find ourselves somewhere else because in that space, we are not in the... He leads us very present tense in the moment. So we have to be in the moment. We have to be fully present to be led by the Spirit. Um, I know that God had to work on that in me before I could be led well by him. I had to be present. I had to be completely present and not escape. Not escape hard places by deciding to go somewhere else in my head. Mm -hmm. So Amber, trust, trust in me. I have control of everything. Enjoy your days. Oh, I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. Tim, tomorrow there will be lots of upset people. There needs to be voices of reason. Whoa, okay, mm -hmm. awesome. Sorry, there's gonna be lots of upset people. I know. Uh, Jonathan, read the word more. Oh, good. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Okay. Number five. Where is God at work in your life right now? Where is God at work in your life? Where is God at work in your life? What'd you get? Um, he's stretching my faith. Oh, stretching your faith. Mm. That sounds so fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> stretching your faith. I got my interactions with people, letting him lead, not my emotions or flesh, exactly. which maybe explains the 105 situation. <laughs> <laughs> Why you have to go down that road every day. Letting him lead, not my emotions. So for flesh. number four, I okay. has heard let go, trust completely. Ooh, I love it. Amber, my marriage for number five. Mm. Lisa, with Tim. <laughs> Be nice, Tim. <laughs> That's awesome. Mm -hmm. 
So one of the things I want to tell you is if God gave you an action, something that he wants you to do or he wants to do through you, give him the space and let it happen. Um, being a, If we just are hearers of the word and not doers, that doesn't work out so well. When we act in obedience, even if we get it wrong, we're acting in obedience and walking in faith and we build our faith. Mm -hmm. But every time we choose not to obey, that builds unbelief. Mm -hmm. Um, Disobedience is directly tied to disbelief. So if you want to increase your faith, then you have to make choices of faith, which is acts of obedience. Often that maybe go against what your flesh wants to do. Um, God doesn't typically tell us to do what we've always been doing the same way we've always been doing it. He wants us to do it his way in the spirit. So I want to encourage you to obey. Tim did hear for number five. Okay. Uh, men's small group, work, and home. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So tomorrow is a big day for a lot of people. I know Amber's mom is starting chemo. I know Taylor is doing some pregnancy test stuff. I'm having surgery. There's all kind of different things happening tomorrow. So if you guys can just be praying for the salty community in general, that would be awesome. I'm going to pray us out and we will see you next week. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you. Uh, Lord, I thank you for your spirit. Lord, I thank you that you don't leave us as we are that you continue to work on us, that you promise that you will continue the work that you have begun. Uh, Lord, I pray that we will be willing participants in the work that you are doing. We love you so much. We thank you for Jesus. We ask all these things in his name.